Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. If you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm on the teaching team. Super glad that you're here this morning. Uh, we're in a new sermon series, Jonah. Uh, God's balanced love, so you have your Bible. Go ahead and grab it. That's in the Old Testament. It's a minor prophet, and I hope you're excited to hear from God's Word. It's, um, man, God's Word's so amazing, and I just um, uh, pray that you have ears to hear and, and listen to what God wants to say to you this morning. Um, so Jonah is we'll be at for, for a while, I think like 10 or 12 weeks, something like that. Uh, and we're going to start just kind of going verse through verse. So uh, Jonah, I'm going to read one through three, and then, then I'll pray. Verses one through three of Jonah. It says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amnatai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Well, let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for uh, your word, God, that you speak and that you write things down to teach us about uh, your character and nature, your boundless love, and um, really our, our stiff neck, our, our hardness of heart, and, and how tricky how tricky that is. And so I pray that your word would, would penetrate our minds and our hearts, our lives, our, our preconceived notions of what grace is and that we would experience uh, your love in a particular way, a different way uh, this morning. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so the sermon title this morning is uh, A Prophet Rejecting God. Uh, a Prophet uh, rejecting God. Uh, and so we're going to be kind of digging into this book, uh, like I said, for a while. This is a Jonah, the familiar story, right? So I was just asking earlier, hey, what comes to your mind? Something comes to your mind probably if you have any background of, of church uh, of Jonah. And so uh, some people said boat, you know, some people said, you know, the ocean. Um, some people said, you know, Jonah was afraid, which it seems like that because he runs away. Um, to me, is always the fish, you're right, or the whale. I was always taught it was a whale, and I read the Bible, it says fish, and it's debated it's a whale or fish. I heard, you know, maybe it's a whale shark. It could be both, uh, but I'm a fish guy, so, man, that always captured my attention, and when I say uh, for hours, I think about what fish could swallow a man, uh, it, it, was, it was captivating to me. I loved it to think about, is that a giant grouper? What could it have been? Uh, and then you get caught up in the, the truthfulness or is it a story, um, and one, it, it's certainly true, but God's teaching us something uh, amazing through this narrative, almost a, a child story if you grew up in church, and it's so powerful, it's so potent, it's so, it's so interesting, and it's so surprising. It's such a surprising story that you may be so, so familiar that miss really the greatness of the book. It's really a, um, the greatness of book 
um, is incredible if it'll allow you to teach you about grace. See, most of us think we get it, and so we don't pay attention to what God's saying or what he's teaching us through these stories. Uh, but it's such a great school teacher of grace, uh, really for those who think they get it. And, and so uh, I'll start this way. I was talking to my son, Deacon, who's seven, and we go through the Jesus Story Bible, and we just kind of pick random um, uh, stories out within that, 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 that Bible, the children's or kids' Bible. And I was like, you know what? What's, we're going to do Jonah night. I'm, I'm going to be preaching in Jonah. We're going to read that together. Uh, and and uh, it was so interesting because it, it helps us understand the school teacher of grace that it truly is. Um, he said, well, didn't, didn't Jonah believe in God? Because he's a prophet, right? And he's a prophet. He's like a preacher. Doesn't he believe in God? And I was like, well, yes, Deacon, he believes in God. And he's like, well, why did he run from God? And I was like, oh, I mean, that's a great question. That's what you should be asking. Why does a prophet who proclaims God, believes in God, represents God, runs from God? So here's, here's, here's the follow-up question. Do you think if a prophet could be running from God, who believes in God, that you, in turn, could be a believer in your mind or mouth and be running from God? The answer would be 100% yes, that could be you. It's a great school teacher of grace. It's a great proposition of question. Why is a prophet running from God? And so it gets to the, the sermon title, a prophet rejecting God. Now, why this is such a great school teacher of grace? Why is it? We have to answer that question. It's because it teaches us something nuanced about sin. See, a lot of us don't understand grace. Know why? Because we don't understand our neediness or to go to a more uh, rooted uh, position or uh, understandings. We don't understand sin. We don't really understand what it is, so we don't apply the, uh, the, really the grace to our lives like we should because we don't know where it belongs. Hebrews 3.12 is a very clarifying verse uh, on sin. It says this, I think, take care brothers, right? So he's talking to already Christians or brothers. Lest there be in any of you, what? An evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Now, there's an interesting verse because as it tells us really, uh, the root of sin is what? Uh, is an unbelieving heart. So how does the scripture define an evil heart? It's one that simply that doesn't believe God. And I go even further as we get into the sermon, that doesn't prioritize God, that will lead you away from God. That's what an unbelieving heart is. And someone that's not surrendering or relying on God is a heart of unbelief. Would you define an evil heart as simply an unbelieving heart. This is what scripture does. And so Jonah, <laughs> at that baseline, has a heart that's not surrendered to the God at that moment. It's not relying on God, or another way to put it, uh, centering on God, which is leading him where? To run away, away from God, which is spiritual death. So verse one, we'll read it a couple times, framing it with different questions. It says, now the word of the Lord, what came to Jonah, the son of Amnitai. So Jonah, we got to answer the question, who is Jonah? I've told you a little bit already about it. Uh, Jonah, Jonah's a prophet. Jonah is a, you know, if you think he's a preacher, he speaks to God, uh, his will. He speaks on behalf to God uh, to people. He represents God. Now Jonah, being a prophet, is a good guy. Definition of good guy. This is a guy that keeps the Ten Commandments. Like his issue is not adultery. His issue is not, he's not 
bearing false witness. This is a, a man above reproach, representing a righteous holy God by his righteous moral character. He is looked up to by people. Uh, he is a, in a sense, godly or good man. He's an upright guy. Uh, in, in today's terms, he's, he'd be up here speaking. He's a churchgoer. He's a definition of stability, of sturdiness, of, of faithfulness. This is Jonah. So <laughs> don't miss on the fact of who Jonah is. He is a respected person. Um, he's a person that probably likes attention. Why? Because he's always speaking in front of people. He's used to this position of power, of proclaiming, of, of looking to be kind of, uh, quote, unquote, the guy. Um, so this is who he is. He's a, he's a prophet. Who is Jonah? We have to answer this question. Secondly, what most of us don't know, it doesn't do an introduction, which is interesting. Why? Because they know who Jonah is. It's a story about Jonah and Nineveh and the fish, but they don't do an introduction of Jonah. It just says, hey, and here's Jonah. Why? Because everyone knows who Jonah is. They know he's a prophet. They know this background. They're familiar with who Jonah is. We may not be familiar with Jonah. It says this uh, in 2 Kings 14 through 25, is that he was a prophet during um, the time of Jeroboam II, who was a king of Israel. It says he restored the border of Israel. Uh, this is Jeroboam II from uh, Labo Hamath, as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord. Listen, who did the word of the Lord uh, come through? The God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amnitai, the prophet who was from Gath Hefner. Now, what's interesting, so this may maybe seem like throwaway, but it's really, I think, like 21 through 28. It goes into this position that Jonah had during this time of Israel that he was in very good relationships with the king. And so the king of Israel, he was a political activist of Israel, spoke um, political things uh, to, to the country, to restore, to build. This was a time of um, really Israel expansion, of, of reissue, to, to secure the borders. Uh, and so he was a political leader at the time. He was a recognized national leader. He was um, highly partisan to Israel. Of course, he was, he was Jewish. Uh, and so uh, intensely patriotic. And I'm not reading too much into this. This is who he is. He, he, he was a, a pro-Israel expansion, let's secure the border prophet uh, that was very much in a high political, um, you know, I would say, yoke with, with, with the king. Now, this is who Jonah is. This is what the Bible tells us who he is. Now, I, I, I'm going to take some time because this is important. Who, who, who am I? Because this is the first part. Is I want us to understand who we are um, as an identity. So right now, I'm, I'm preaching. So I would say I'm, I'm a preacher. I'm trying to represent God and his word. This is what I'm doing. Uh, I'm a husband. I'm married to my wife, Marcy. Um, I am a father of three. I'm a friend. I, you know, I'm an elder. I try to live my life above reproach. I try to be a moral person uh, to represent God. Um, you know, I wrote down here, as dumb as it sounds, I often represent it. And, you, you, you know, what you talk about represents your heart. I don't know if you know that. You, you track your words, it measures your heart. So I'm about to say, I, I know it sounds goofy. I'm a wrestling dad. That's part of my identity. I know it sounds really goofy. I was just in Tulsa. It's a part of what I do um, a lot. I would go to wrestling practice a lot. So this is, if you looked at me, this is, and it changes throughout time. This is what I do. This is my identity. Now, my question is, who are you? 
Who are you? What's your bio? Like, what would you say you are? Like, you have to answer that question. If you go to your bio on social media, you could probably answer it. It's, a, you know, you're probably a worker. I don't know what you write there. <laughs> but you, you answer that question all the time, you know. And, and you have hobbies too. Maybe, maybe what I didn't write there is I'm an avid, uh, avid um, political person. That's just not me, right? Just so you know that. You're not going to find that with me. But that may be you. This is Jonah, right? Um, now, what's so interesting is who you are needs to be affirmed so you can actually have that, that view of self. You need that affirmation. Like, I need I, to, to have this. We look for people's um, affirmation or approvals to live our lives. This is how we grab our identity. Um, another way you could really look at what you are identity-wise is just follow your social media posts. Follow your words. Why do you post the things you post? I mean, think about it. You're actually trying to gain likes or position yourself for people that are like you. What? To gain, gain a view of self. That will preach it in itself if you allow it to preach to your heart. Go look where you're trying to build an identity to find affirmation. Everyone is doing it. It's not I'm doing it, Jonah's doing it. You are doing it. The question is, where are you building uh, your, your identity? Uh, and it's so important to identify, but this is who Jonah is. We're gonna preach about Jonah, but as we learn about Jonah, you can learn a lot about uh, yourself. So again, first one, we'll read it. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. So when it says the word of the Lord came to him, now this is super important. He is receiving a word from God for people. He has a message to come. God is speaking his will to Jonah. Now the way that we should find our, our identity is by God's words. Uh, I'm going to give that away. So God speaks. This is our identity. So what we like to do is not take a, re a received identity from God. What we like to do is start to achieve our identity apart from God's word to do what we want. This is, uh, this is what we, we all do. So this word is coming. He is being defined by being a prophet of God, representing God. This is his basis of identity. When God speaks, he gives life. He gives, uh, his words give life. They give identity. They give purpose. It's coming to Jonah. It's speaking life to Jonah. He's actually trying to bring uh, life, spiritual life further into him. We got the sailors. You, you, you got uh, Nineveh. God is speaking. So this is not me. This is not him manufacturing identity. This is God speaking it. We need an outside word for a sustainable identity. This is where it comes from, not, not an achieve, but God is speaking to him. Um, his, his, who he is. So he's giving him a word. He's speaking his will. That's what God's word is. He's speaking his will uh, to, to Jonah. Verse, verse two, what is the message? As arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now, verse two is, it seems just like judgment, and it, it is, because Nineveh is, and we'll get into that, is a wicked, it's a wicked city. Uh, all kinds of moral decay, all kinds of licentious living. Um, it's barbaric, it's oppressive, uh, ruthless. I mean, uh, if we had time to get in the background, not a good city. It's not the main point uh, of the sermon. But God, but what does God do? He calls out a warning against it. Why? 
God could just destroy it, but he didn't. Why did he call it a warning? Because it shows his heart and compassion for wicked people. Uh, the, the, the verse two screams that. He could have just destroyed it, but he didn't. He says, I want you to go out and call it against it. This is a warning uh, to the judgment that's coming. Why? Because he, he desires repentance. He desires mercy. Now, verse three, this is the will of God uh, to Jonah. Verse three says uh, this, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. So not Nineveh, he goes, what, to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now this is key. From the presence uh, of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going, what, to Tarshish. Again, not Nineveh. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, what, away from the presence of the Lord. Now this is, this is crucial. Now when Jonah is disobeying God, which he is, because God's given a command, go to Nineveh and repent. It's not just disobedience. He is disowning his identity uh, as a prophet. He's disowning his, his uh, identity that God speaks over him, that you belong to me and you represent my will. He is rejecting God. He's rejecting who he is. And now he's going to go on a run, not to receive an identity, a word from God who defines him and propels him forward. He goes, I'm going to really create my own word, create my own world. I'm gonna do things my own way and I'm not going to live my basis on what you say, God. So this is not just so disobedience. It's not like, hey, God kind of said, hey, you should think about this. And, and, and Jonah's like, no, nah, I'm gonna do this. That, that, that's gravely uh, downplaying that he is rejecting, disowning. He's like, I don't want you, God. This is what this is, a rejection uh, of God. Now, um, the question then is, is why? You know, I talked to briefly, um, going to Nineveh would be scary. Like Assyria and Israel did not get along. Uh, they, they were political adversaries. Assyria was growing in dominance. Uh, eventually destroys uh, Israel. Um, now, he's telling them to go, go uh, basically preach repentance to uh, Nineveh. So, uh, I heard this, and I think it's good. It'd be like, you know, a Jewish person going to Nazi Germany and preaching repentance in World War II. How would that go? It would not, it would not go well, right? This same type of environment. So a lot of people are like, well, he's scared. The mission goes bad, you know. Uh, he's going to die, so he's clearly scared for his life. This is not, li listen, I'm going to give the story away because there's so much beautiful things. And this is not why he doesn't go. He's not scared. He's not afraid of his life. It actually says, uh, in Jonah 4, 2, it'll be up on the screen, he prayed to the Lord and said, because this is after he went and they repented, oh, Lord, is this not why I said I was, uh, I was yet in my country? Before he went, this is, this is why I don't want to go. That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. Why? For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. I knew if I went, they would repent. I knew you were gracious. I knew you were merciful. Why is Jonah running from God? Because he doesn't like grace. That's why he's from running from God. He's rejecting God because he's a gracious God. You know what that means? He doesn't think he needs grace. He doesn't think he needs grace. So let me ask you a question. Jonah, what's the message about? It's about grace. It's a great school teacher of grace. What's the primary message? Who's the primary message for? 
A lot of people are gonna say Nineveh. Yes, who's the primary message for? It's for Jonah. It's for the preacher. It's for the prophet. Who's, who's trying to get grace here? The prophet. The prophet doesn't get it. He's not understanding grace. The religious person, the, 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 the churchgoer. That's why, man, I've just been praying for you this week that you would have God school you, who you and grace. The people in the church need grace. And I think we miss it all the time because we think we get it. I think, I think we get it. And we're, see, the sin underneath the sin is what? We don't base our identity on Jesus. Uh, uh, another way is we put another love in front of Jesus, which is, is rejecting of God. He's running away from his calling, the message of God for his own life, that we're defined by grace. How do I know, how do we know that he's rejecting God? How do we know he's rejecting grace? It says it twice in verse three. It says, but Jonah rose to flee from Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Now, can you, so just a quick one-on-one theology. Can you run from God's presence? The answer is no. Why? Because God is everywhere and he sees everything. You're not going to run from God. You can't do it, right? So what is he running from? Actually, the words there, he's, he's running from the face of God. He's running from the very center of God's will. He wants another center for his own life. Do you see it? He, he doesn't want grace to be the center of his life. Well, what, is, what does he want? What does he want? He wants to build his life on his own word, not the word of God, which is grace in Christ. He wants to build his own, his, his own life. So um, he's, a, he's a political activist. He loves his nation. So what is he building his identity on? He wants to be a national leader. He doesn't want, want to be a gracious person. He doesn't want to be a graceful person. He wants to be that political leader in his country, and he rejects God because he'd rather have that than grace. Now, hear me. This is not a political message. Like, I didn't be like, hey, I know politics are really high right now. Let's get after them this way. This is planned a year ago. This is what we're going to be at. So you're like, man, how dare you talk about politics? You need to hear this more than anyone, right? Because this is simply scripture that I'm teaching you. He was finding his life not based on the grace of God, but his nationalism and his political dominance. That's super interesting to me. How, how well does that preach today? I mean, that, that preaches, right? God, God's word is timely and true. Now, what's so, so interesting, a lot of us, again, think sin is simply just breaking the rules. Jonah is keeping all the rules, He's a rule keeper, not a, not a rule breaker. He's just basing his identity not on the grace of God, but something else has captured his heart, namely politics, namely the priority of his nation. So there's two ways that we can run from God that we find in this text we'll continue to look at. There's two ways that we can run from God, and most of us think about it this way. Nineveh is clearly running from God. They are trying in their, in, the, in their despair, in their, in their frustration, they're trying to find their life apart from God in the world. That's called licentiousness. Some of us right now in here, man, we don't, we're, we're, like, we know we're not grace people. Man, I, I don't believe any of this stuff. You're looking for life in the world and you're drinking deeply of 
of, of sin, and what I mean by that, immorality. No one would call you a moral person. And maybe you're a moral person out here, but you know internally you're not, right? So that is one way that we run from God. We know God has rules, and we're like, man, I don't believe those rules are good. I'm gonna do what I want because I'm trying to find life. That's how most people see sin, actively rebelling against God's word. And when he said, there's a subtle way to run from God. And I wrote down here, it's the, the great Jesus juke, right? That we're, we're, yeah, we're like, we say and we love Jesus, but we're doing all something else because we're not living for him is, is simply putting your identity out based on the grace of God. But it's, it's the grace of God and something else. Something is grabbing the center of your life. It's not the face of God. It's not the face of God. If you're asking yourself, where is the center of your life? What I'm asking, what is the center of your life? If it's not the grace of God, you're running from him. You're running from his very heart and you're trying to achieve this identity and you can look very pretty. You may be all cleaned up, you're here this morning, your kids are here, you're a moral person, but you're not centering on God. You know how deadly that is and how destructive that is? Who needs grace? The school teacher is the person that's the nearest person to God, who's actually speaking on behalf of God, but isn't taking it in. Now, here's the thing. It's hard to know. It's hard to know when that's you. I'll be honest with you. That's hard. <laughs> So as I study Jonah, you know, I'm, you know who I'm thinking about the whole time? Believe it or not, it's not you. It's me. I'm thinking about myself the whole time. You know why? Because I, I, I'm a preacher. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm asking God, where am I missing? Where am I not centering my life on the grace of God? Where am I trying to achieve my identity and seek affirmation away from a spoken word into my life and having that received identity? I'm not preaching to you. I'm trying to look at my own life. Know why? Because this is who God's teaching right now. Jonah, he's teaching you. And we don't know it. Here, you don't actually know your heart and where the center is because our heart is so deceitful. Like, I just can't ask you. Know why? Because you grew up in church, you got the Sunday school answer. I, I know what to say. <laughs> I mean, it's like, but it's when that thing is threatened that you actually start to see where your, your allegiance is, where your heart is. Um, it's when the word of God starts to confront you with things that you hold very tightly, you'll actually start to see where you're centered on. So Jonah was like, no, I'm speaking for, he actually spoke for the expansion. We just read it in 2 Kings 14. He spoke on behalf of God of the thing that God wanted to restore. That, I mean, that was what God wanted. But in, this, in, in what God was wanting, he, he started to place his identity apart from the grace of God. Do you see how subtle that is? That you could be even doing the right things and start doing, man, it's good to be a good preacher. It's good to share the gospel. It's good to love your neighbor. You start to start to find your identity in that. How dangerous and how you actually start to run from God and even doing the right things is when it's threatened. When someone else starts to get the affirmation that you were seeking and how you were living or how you're loving your spouse or how your kids are behaving. It's when those things are threatened, you actually start to see the center of your hope and your love. Is Jesus your first love? I'm gonna go through a series of questions for the good people, the moral people. How are you handling politics right now? How are you handling politics right now? <laughs> 
It's a great question. It's a very timely question. Is it showing you where your hope is? Is it showing you the center of your life? You're like, man, you're trying to preach at me? Yeah, I'm trying to preach at you because I care about you. Man, this, our country could fall apart and we'd be okay because we're in Christ. Jesus is our king. That's not what I long for. You don't have to pray for that. But you're okay. We're okay. The same thing is true. Is it your wife? You okay if you lose your wife? I love my wife. I, I'd be grieved if I lost my wife. But she cannot be the center of my life. My kids cannot be the center of my life. It will destroy me and them. And that's why I put wrestling dad in there is because that's, I tell you what I struggle with. I like to win and I like to compete. And it's so dangerous. Am I doing it for the glory of God? Am I teaching my kids the right things to do? Am I, am I showing them discipline, how to goal set? Or is this about me? <laughs> I know what to say. But when they lose, where's my heart being exposed? Who's this about? And you gotta confess and reorient your heart towards Christ. Is it your money? Your stock market's gonna go up, it's gonna go down, you'll have money, you won't have money. How is your heart, how is your life when those things are threatened? Is it your job? I mean, there's so many different things. Is it how you spend your free time once the things that are threatened exposes where your center is? See, I wrote down here, <laughs> you know, you have to reorder your loves. Wait, loving your job is a good thing. Loving your wife is a good thing. Loving to compete, I'd even say, is a good thing. But it can't be your first love. Christ has to be your first love. You have to reorder your loves. And another way you can say it is this. You have to reorder how you are loved. You gotta reorder how you are loved. You are not what you achieve, but it's what Christ has achieved for you. Right? You have money, don't have money, you're loved in Christ. You win, you lose, you are loved in Christ. We prosper politically, we don't. You are loved in Christ. You gotta reorder how you receive your love. Therefore, you can receive or reorder your loves in your life. See, this is, this is what the entire Bible's about. So Jonah's is like a really sweet story that's gonna really explore some areas of our hearts. And I thank you for the narrative of Jonah to help us understand our own hearts because we are Jonah and we are Nineveh. It's a beautiful story, but this is what the entire Bible is about. For instance, Romans 1, the whole thing is about licentious living. It's like the people who reject God, who don't worship the creator, but they worship the created, they're looking for life in the world. You know what's gonna happen? They're going to destroy their life. Why? Because there's not life apart from God. That's the truth. That's Romans 1, it says this in Romans 1, 24, therefore God gave them up in their lust of their hearts. They're lusting after life. They can only be found in God to the impurity, to the dishonoring their bodies among themselves. This is what a lot of people are doing. They're running from God by rejecting him and trying to find life in the world. Romans 2 is about good people trying to keep the law, relying on themselves, rejecting and running from God. That's Romans 2, it says this in Romans 2, 17. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on what? On the law and boast in God. So it's, it's interesting. 
They're relying not on Christ, not relying on grace. They're not defining themselves there. And then yet they're being really good. And who are they boasting? Look how great God is. But who are they boasting in? Themselves. Romans 1 and 2, two ways to run from God. Romans 3 is what? 10 and 12 says this. None is righteous, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. See, the licentious sinner and the self-righteous churchgoer, no one's seeking God. And that is the secret of actually living in grace, is to see yourself rightly. See, why this is such a school teacher of grace is because it's a school teacher of sin. You, you may be running from God because you're simply not centering your life on Christ. But you may be doing all the other things, but it's not your first love. And this is a place, this is a place, this is why we come to, to once again surrender. Once again, allow God's word to search our heart. Once again, allow, allow the pressures of your week to press in on you. You know why? Because it allows to show you where your heart is. This is not a one-time grace. It's a continual re- receiving, a continual interacting with who Jesus is and what he's done for you, that you're loved despite you, that he died for you, that he has a future for you. I can't tell you how many times, I mean, in my day, that, that God allows these trials, these struggles to reveal my heart where it's not centered on Christ. Not a one-time act. It's a con- always a reordering of my heart towards grace. You know why? Because I love to have a different priority. Where is God allowing you to struggle? There's a reason for that. Don't ignore it. Because he loves you so much to reorder your heart to his great love for you. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us not miss just beginning this story, that we can only be defined, God, by, by a word goes out from you. That we would want to be defined just simply by the grace of God. We are simply who we are by the grace of God and nothing else. God, I pray that you would start to bring under conviction how we look for, for these false identities, sometimes in really good things. That's not in your will. It's not, not in your will of how you defined our grace. It's not, you're not the center of our will. God, help us repent and reorder once again that we'd experience the love of Christ in a new and a fresh way, that you'd search our hearts, search our minds, search our lives. Why? Because no one's righteous on our own. God, help us be desperate, desperate for you once again. We're not okay. We're, We're not okay for a moment. Help us believe that. And just stand and bask in the grace of God. security in the refuge that Jesus is. There'd be overwhelming peace in our lives. The, the things that you may be stripping away from us because you're going to speak a new word, a fresh word over us of who we are to you. God, I pray that you move by your spirit in powerful ways. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.